Thank you for listening to another episode of Remake Rewind. It's time for a Halloween episode. I'm excited. <laughs> oh, spooky, scary. Uh, I'm Mike, as always, with me. I've got my buddy Alex. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm a little scared, though, from all the Ooh. scary movies we've been watching. We're, we're a little out of... Uh, I, I've been traveling a lot. I've been traveling like the last three weeks. I was back in town for like a week and a half, and I'm going to be traveling for another three weeks back to back to back. So we actually missed an episode. Uh our apologies, but you know what? I All was, apologies. I, I was gone out of state, back to back to back. So deal with it. But we're back with a with a classic uh, horror franchise for Halloween, and the new one just came out on Hulu just a couple weeks ago. Uh, we're going to be talking about Hellraiser, and um, I, I've never saw the original one um, or any of them. Like I, I'm familiar with who Pinhead is and what the gist of the Cenobites are. But I've never actually seen a Hellraiser film, so I was actually pretty excited to do this one. Yeah, and I learned uh, today that uh, Clive Barker, the original author of the novella that it's based on and the writer-director of the original, hates the term pinhead. Yeah, because it's, it's the uh, chief engineer or the Hell priest. priest. Hell yeah. priest, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's what they're... Uh, famously not the engineer. Oh, I thought he was the chief engineer because in some of the stuff on just nobody nobody seems to know because going through Wikipedia and different social media uh, and reviews about the old movies because I went and did like a deep dive and read about all ten movies that came out before the the new one on Hulu and there is no consistency in people talking about it. people call him Pinhead they call him the priest and they call him the engineer so. That's weird. Nobody seems to know what the hell's going on with Hellraiser. What the Hellraiser's going on? I do trust Clive Barker. Yeah. As the guy who who wrote, wrote it. <laughs> I defer to Clive. Yeah, that I think that's wise. I, I'm assuming you've seen the original before, just with your background. I think that I'm not like overly familiar with the original. Um, you know, obviously Pinhead's a a legend. I mean the Hell Priest. And, um, you know, these movies have been around, uh, since the, the, the 80s slasher days, but, um, and I've seen, I've seen some of the interim ones. I do not recall seeing the first one all the way through, oh. although I'm, I'm sure I saw it as a teenager. I'm sure you did. I haven't seen it in the last I, uh, 20 years. I, I kind of put off watching this one cause you know how I am. I'm not a big, uh, gore person. Like it's weird. Like I can watch a surgery. No problem. I've worked on a cadaver. No problem. For some reason, like gore in movies, like when it's like a slasher film and it's like over the top, it, it, I don't know. I just don't like it. Like a little bit of gore for realism doesn't bother me, but when it's just like graphic, I don't like it as much. So I was expecting yeah. so much worse from this movie because. Right. And it wasn't really. I, yeah. I, I was very surprised at, I don't want to say tame, but I almost look at this movie as like it's reverse gore. Like, the guy the most of the gore you see is like the guy's actually healing he starts as a skeleton and then he gets like nerves and then he gets muscle and then he gets the skin and everything so it was almost like he was healing yeah it wasn't so it's an uplifting story (laughs) well i wouldn't go that far but uh uh do you want to summarize this first one or the second one uh i guess i'll do the first one okay okay we do this every two weeks and i don't know why i wasn't prepared with a synopsis today um Hellraiser is about the the price you pay for seeing. <laughs> um, a husband and wife move into a new house, and the wife discovers that the uh, partially formed body of the husband's brother, who she had been cheating with, is uh, reforming itself in the attic. And she needs to feed him bodies to reform him completely so that they can abscond and live happily ever after, I guess. I guess. And it's all because of this awful puzzle box. Yeah, <laughs> there's kind of like it's funny rewatching that movie because, um, you know, it's a old horror hounds is going to be like uh, stating the obvious, but there's a whole other story going on. Like the story's not really about the hell priest or the Cenobites. Like they're there doing a thing, but the story is yeah. really about Frank and Julia and the husband and Kirsty, Kirsty, Kirsty. Yeah. The thing that I found odd is uh, which I, liked. I didn't. I didn't realize how little the Cenobites were in this. And then as I was watching. Yeah, they're like, tiny. They're like three inches tall. Yeah. yeah. They're like Lego figures. 
<laughs> it's all forced perspective to make them look <laughs> large and looming. Uh, no, I was surprised at how little their presence is actually in this movie. Like, it's minutes, like less than 10 minutes worth of Cenobites in this. And then when I looked into it, like the subsequent films, it's basically the same thing. It's always like somebody trying to re-get their body or somebody trying to figure out what's going on with the puzzle box. And then basically after the third movie, almost every single one seems to be some sort of variation of a person who was a bad person and they were actually in kind of like a limbo. And when they solve the puzzle, they're actually going to get their final punishment from the Cenobites. Like it, it's not a slasher film at all. And it doesn't seem like any of them are. And reading reviews for basically four through 10, everyone's like, pretty much every review is like, there's no real reason that this was a uh, a Hellraiser movie. Clearly, this was some other spec script that they right. just added Cenobites in. And that seems to be the case. Like, Which uh, is a Scott very Derrick, common practice with yeah. uh, with well-known properties. Like Scott Derrickson, when he, one of your boys, like his first movie was a Hellraiser movie. I thought you liked Scott Derrickson. He's cool. Yeah, but his first <laughs> movie was a direct-to-DVD Hellraiser film that... Which one was it? Were, Ah, it's like the fifth or the sixth one. Right. Maybe later. No, Deader. it was later than that. Yeah, uh, it was like nine or ten. World. It was somewhere between seven and ten, I think. Was okay. I don't know. I'm not going to look it back up. But yeah, it seems like every single one is just like, yeah, this really wasn't a Hellraiser movie. It's a cool horror film, Which but is, didn't I kind of like Hellraiser. that, though. I, I, have, I have more thoughts about this when we get into our uh, What You've Been Watching segment. But I think that's kind of cool. I think if you have um, an existing IP that can bring people to a film... Um, but your movies are really just uh, opportunity, like anthologies. They're opportunities for young uh, writers and directors and actors uh, to get into something that's going to be seen and make a little bit of money. Hopefully, I think that's cool. I guess that's one way to look at it. I guess that's a positive to me. Like I, I almost feel the opposite, but I'm not a writer or anything like that or a filmmaker. But I would almost feel like the opposite if it were me. And I made this like amazing story or something that I thought was amazing, and then like a studio is like, you know what? we're just going to put pinhead in it and we're going to completely change the ending to your movie and we're going to well, kill your movie with notes. Like, yeah, I mean, it depends on what degree that happens. The movie might not be killed with notes. A couple of these movies, it probably will be to be clear, oh, but so a couple of these movies had Alan Smithy as the director. <laughs> well, so enough to, at least I think it was, I'm, I'm one speaking for sure. ideally hypothetically. Yeah. Um, but you know, like Cloverfield is something kind of similar to that. Like those movies have been, um, I think mostly good, but definitely hit or miss. Um, but I think that's a really fucking cool way to uh, give some some new talents a shot. Uh, Dan Trachtenberg, point in, ca- yeah. Point in case. Yeah, yeah, no, that's I, I love Ten Cloverfield Lane, and that definitely was not a Cloverfield movie originally. Yeah. So, uh, and he's what did he just do? He just did something big that I'm really excited about, or I don't remember. Dan Trachtenberg's got a lot of stuff in the. No, I know. I, I brought him up because he just did something, and like it's escaping me now. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I just watched something that he did, and now it's driving me crazy. And oh, pray, duh, duh. I fucking love that movie. We both love that movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So no, cool. Um, well, let's get into the this movie. Um, it it's very brisk. It's it's a 98 minute movie. It's exactly the the length of a movie that I like. Yep. It's good length, good girth. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> good viscosity. The good viscosity um it's it's a little weird like uh like you brought you brought up julia and frank are kind of like the crux of the movie but yeah they move into larry's debt larry and frank the best two names they could have come up with their male characters in the movie Those but are male names yeah larry decides to move his family into his dead brother's house or presumed dead brother like his brother just disappeared and like the beginning of the movie he goes to like morocco to get this puzzle box and it's like grungy dirty person's like oh it's yours it's always yours take it and the the dirtiness was funny because like there's dirt underneath the fingernails but the rest of the hands are perfectly clean i i wrote that exact note <laughs> dirty <fingernail. laughs> um so then he goes and he like sets up these candles he's trying to get in the mood and one of the things i always learned knew about this movie and i've read how this is like one of queer cinema's like biggest movies and at the time you know they're all all the cenobites uh have like leather costumes and everything because clive barker was experimenting in like bdsm at the time wanted to put something that was taboo for main culture in the movie and one of the things i always read about this movie and even though i had never seen it was like it's about sadomasochism and like the cenobites torture people 
But like almost all of that is done off screen. Like you see Frank is having like a nice night. He sets the candles to get the mood. He's got like a little like space set out for it. And he does the puzzle and he's glistening. And then like you just hear chains and then you go to like hell and you just see like pieces of his skin. Like they're kind of putting it together like a mosaic and a puzzle. And like that's it. Like you don't really ever see the violence or the torture or the sadomasochism like against the characters. Yeah. Or like the – um, the philosophy behind those things. There's like, there's not the ideas that Frank is pursuing um, the ultimate combo of pleasure and pain or whatever. And that's sort of, you know, what BDSM is doing without being an expert on it or anything, just, you know, global definition, uh, general definition. Um, the movie's not really about like pushing those types of boundaries. Like he says it is, but then the whole story is about um, Julia's infidelity yeah yeah you know absolutely and then like like if there's if there's a um a metaphor or a theme for the movie it's that uh infidelity doesn't pay you know yeah and i'd also even say like the bdsm thing doesn't pay because it's supposed to be like no no it's my yeah that's what i'm saying like the the message of the film is don't cheat on your of your on your spouse but it's it's that and also like as something that's supposed to, I don't want to necessarily say pro BDSM, but because this movie was designed to scare quote unquote, quote unquote, normal people with the BDSM nature. Uh, but like BDSM is also about my understanding as well as like, yes, there's, there's pain, but that's, it's the, you know, the tie between pain and pleasure, but it's all about consent and whatnot. Yeah. Like you have to be consenting in BDSM, but like, that's not what this is. And like, all the reviews for this and every all the taglines talk about this like BDSM and how the the Cenobites torture people who are looking for that to the point where it's not pleasurable and it's just painful and like the Cenobites are from a race that are used to be angels but they're kind of demons and they lost it where like they no longer recognize the difference between pain and pleasure like it's equal to them so something extremely pleasurable and something extremely painful is supposed to be equal to them is my understanding of the Cenobites. But you never really see that right. on screen. And it's just kind of like, it, I don't know if this is something where I want to show me versus tell me, but this movie is very much like tell me versus show me yeah. any of the themes that it says it's doing. Like it just kind of like caps it up at the end. Like Frank at the end of the movie is like, oh yeah, like I was totally into like crazy sex shit, but like it wasn't fun anymore. So I was trying to get the most extreme version of that. And I fucked with some demons and they sent me to hell and I escaped from hell. And now I just want my body back and uh, by any means necessary. But like, yeah, there's like 60 seconds of screen time where we're looking at photos of Frank with women in other countries and he's and the you know message is like yeah he was pursuing you know crazy uh pleasure beyond what your mind can contain i guess but then most of the movie is just people non-consensually being ripped apart yeah well then even like when they're they're killing you know men to feed frank essentially so he can absorb their essence like even that stuff is like pretty mild like you'd see a little bit of blood spray you'd see julia covered in a little bit of blood but it was always just like you see a hammer a guy yeah, goes, she killed like ah! three of them with a hammer yeah it kills a couple of them and you just see a little blood spray and then you just see like the floor absorb the blood like i honestly thought this movie was really tame and i remember and i remember just just okay. to be fair we're examining this with 2022 eyes absolutely but i remember in the 90s like i remember seeing like warnings at blockbuster and hollywood video on the hellraiser like cases talking about like extreme violence. And I remember people talking about it on TV, like in the, like the Tipper Gore days kind of thing, like talking about like how this series was just the worst. And like, I think there's a lot of movies we've covered on here that are significantly worse. Like I would say Friday the 13th nightmare on Elm street. Um, some of the other slasher movies we've seen, I would definitely say are way more gratuitous than this movie. And like the whole thing about this movie was it's supposed to be gratuitous and over the top. And, Eh. yeah i mean i you know let's talk about things we did like i appreciate how uh how much of a slow burn it was for a 90 minute movie especially yeah it was um i don't know that that worked all the time there's definitely moments where i was like oh my god okay let's let's move along to the next thing here um but i i liked what it was going for um as far as the pace of the film um and i think you know with that perspective it doesn't need to be the um the most shocking thing every minute that it's on screen, you know? 
Yeah. I, I really liked the special effects on this movie. Like That's my favorite the, part of it. Yeah, like the Frank's uh, makeup and prosthetics looked incredible. Like when he's just like muscle and flesh and then like mm-hmm. as he gets like a layer of skin, but it's not like full. It was really fucking cool. Looking. Like that is it was pretty accurate. Like that's about as accurate as it gets. Um, although the special effects at the very end, when they did the, the effects of the Cenobites going back to hell, um, that was a little wonky, but they ran out of money and they literally like animated that by hand over yeah. each frame. And like Clive Barker and his like friend did that themselves. Yeah. So the little sperms of electricity. Yeah. 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 Um, one of the things that I thought that I didn't understand this movie, but then I guess it, it made more sense to me in like the, the, the 2022 one was, um, you know, I, I, I didn't realize it was just, you know, I thought it was just a box and you solve it once and that's it. But there's like a bunch of different layouts and orientations because I thought it was weird at the end of the movie when they're like, all right, cool. We're going to need to like redo the puzzle and we'll send the Cenobites and like one at a time. Like she just kept having to resolve the puzzle. But like the 2022 one, you see the puzzle change every time it does something. This one, like you never really saw it change. So I was actually kind of confused like she had to keep solving it like one at a time to get rid of the Cenobites at the end. Yeah. In this movie, it felt more like there were multiple steps to solving it and there's just one solving. And each time she did a step or, you know, redid a step backwards or whatever, it vanquished one, one, one would go them. away. Yeah. And that, but that was another thing when in the movie where I was like, oh, okay, so she's going to do this four times. So we have to, do, we have to watch this again. As she yeah, turns the it thing. was pretty repetitive. Like I would have preferred like, you know, one of them jumps out at her and she has to like defeat them temporarily or get away and then right. keep solving the puzzle and have like one big one where they all just, just that, that's just me. Um, <laughs> the other thing that I thought was really funny was at the end, um, after they all disappear, she throws the puzzle in this like random, I don't even know what it was, but it was like an empty parking lot that just had a bunch of fires going in it. <laughs> yeah. And she just throws this metal box into like a fire and is like, all right, well, I'm done and just leaves. Like, as if that's going to do anything to a demon hell box made yeah. of metal. And then and then the, the skeleton of Lucifer uh, swoops in and grabs it or something. Yeah, that vagrant guy who's just, like, following her around with no explanation, covered in bugs, just turns into that winged creature. Yeah. I will say um, I'm interested in watching the second one now. I've heard the second one is better than the first, so. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because he was involved with that one, and, like, Clive Barker was involved in quite a few in an unofficial capacity where he'd kind of give guidance unofficially. Mm-hmm. And then he just like fucked off at like after the fifth or sixth one. And he's just like the studio just handled them until, until the 2022 one. But uh, yeah, I heard the first two or three are decent and then they, they just kind of fly off the, the rails. But I, I really do wish the Cenobites did more. Like they just kind of like lurked and granted, their costumes looked very, very uncomfortable, so I imagine there was limited <laughs> motion that they could do, but I didn't feel like the Cenobites did anything. Yeah, yeah, I wish I liked it more. Um, you know, I'm glad, I, glad I've seen it as an adult. Yeah, I checked but, it off the list. Yeah. Um, I, I did, like, when Frank wore Larry, like, Larry's skin as, like, a little Larry suit. See, yeah, I mean, that's funny, but, like, I didn't really get why that worked that way, because every time he um, sucked up somebody else's blood, it seemed to be rebuilding Frank. And then at the end, he just took uh, Larry's skin. Skin. Yeah, I don't know what that that was. And, I, and Kirsty um, doesn't even realize that her dad's like covered in blood. Like literally, his face is like face offed back on. Yeah, like the back of the neck. It's like you can see the flaps. Well, around his like hairline and stuff too. Yeah, but it wasn't until he's like come to daddy. He's like <laughs> he's like Frank saw her as like the muscle dude, and he's like come to daddy to her his niece. Yeah, and he also said that to Julia. Like, why, why was that, like, Frank's catch line? Well, what was weird is she didn't seem to... Julia didn't seem to remember Frank until he's like, oh, we totally fucked the day of your wedding right before. Don't you remember? And she's like, oh, yeah, that was pretty fun. <laughs> um, I did appreciate the actor um, that played uh, Larry, the dad, taking on the villain role in the third act. Like, he just completely changed his... Yeah. Um, it's persona that was cool it was pretty good on that but yeah i mean this movie i guess it's definitely like a product of its time speaking of uh like the not uh taking taking um larry's skin he kills julia after he gets his face scratched off but then Mm -hmm. he like takes her blood and like sucks her her essence out but it doesn't fix his face 
it's it's very inconsistent. It, it's probably just they ran out of budget, and then they're like, "Well, this is the best we could do." And it's like scarier to see him walking around with half a face, but yeah, that's that's probably what it was. They're like, "Ah, eh, this is scary. We don't really have the budget to do like another animation scene of him like growing his blo- his skin back." And yeah, I think ultimately, if we're going to if we're getting to last words here, I didn't care about any of these characters really. Like, no, the infidelity is kind of interesting, and the guy being reformed in the attic is interesting but like these characters all felt very two-dimensional i didn't and you know it's not a matter of like liking people i don't care if a protagonist is likable or not but i should be interested in what happens to them and yeah, good uh, or bad yeah i didn't give a shit about these people no yeah me neither cool i'm i'm, I'm done with this one we could talk about the, the uh oh our next segment what have you been up to bud what have you been up to bud <laughs> well i'm glad you asked um We've been watching uh, some horror movies the last week. Nice. Yeah. Lay it on me. What you watch? What is the last thing we watched? Pinocchio? Pinocchio. Jesus Christ. Pinoc. Why am I so bad at this? I'm so bad at remembering what what our last thing was. <laughs> um, well, I'll, we watched a few non-horror movies. And I'll hit you with all the horrors. Uh, I rewatched This is 40 for the first time in a while. It was pretty cool. Um, nice little, little Judd Apatow. Uh, we're up to Baby Driver and our Edgar Wright marathon. We got to watch nice. Last Night in Soho uh, this week, hopefully. Uh, and Beavis and Butthead do the Universe, which I really enjoyed. And I know you don't like those guys. And uh, <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas, nice, of course. Classic. Yeah. Horror wise, we watched Barbarian, which is fucking awesome. I um, heard it was really good. Finally got around to the new Scream. Also, really, really enjoyed that. Me too. Um, Werewolf by Night, Marvel's little. 1920s monster thing i enjoyed that yeah i enjoyed it um smile it's pretty good um, i heard it was awful it's not awful you're the only person I've, i know quite a few people have seen it you're the only person who's liked it i've seen a lot of praise for it online that's weird um i like it better than i've liked the conjuring or insidious or malignant okay yeah um you know i have my have my issues with it i don't think it's perfect by any means but i enjoyed it uh, we finally saw Halloween Ends. Nice. Or finally came out this week. Yeah, I'm gonna see it what's tomorrow. My, what's my syntax? Yeah, I'm interested. Uh, what you what you think about it? I'll probably like it more than you. I liked the last one more than more than you did. Yeah, you know, sometimes if you don't have anything nice to say, it's better to just say nothing. Oh, it wasn't like a negative thing. Like I I liked it more than you did, but your reasons are. Oh, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I've seen a lot of mixed. Not even mix. Like I've seen mostly negative things, but I feel like I, I watched the last two in theaters, so I'm just gonna finish this one off in theaters. Yeah, yeah, you might. I think it's worth seeing in theaters. Um, there were things that I really enjoyed about it. Um, the things that I enjoyed about it. I see a lot of people online saying uh, really negative stuff, and I see a number of people also saying really positive stuff. And um, you know, I don't think either of them are particularly right. But I would almost, I would I think I would rather make a movie that um, people uh, hate than don't care about. Yeah, it's thought provoking. At least people are talking about it. Yeah, at least you evoke some sort of emotion. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's it. Is that all of them? All right, I'll I'll just uh, bang through mine real quick uh, in no particular order because uh, I wrote this because I realized I wasn't keeping track the last couple of weeks so this is based off memory so I'm sure a few things are missing but uh, finally got around to watching The Kingsman which I, I really enjoyed I liked really? The Kingsman movie yeah, yeah I, 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 I wasn't able to get through it I, I liked it I, don't, I didn't like it as much as the two with uh, Tara and Egerton um, but I did enjoy it for you know what it was it had a twist that really surprised me um, I'll give it another shot yeah that, that twist I don't know how far you got into it but there's a twist in the, in the middle of the movie and it uh it, I was surprised. Um, saw Don't Worry, Worry Darling. Did not care for that movie at all. Uh, that's not true. I think Florence, if it wasn't for Florence Pugh, as you like to say, but Florence Pugh. I don't, she, do I say that? Yeah. Like the, when we did uh, Black Widow, you kept saying Pugh. Huh. Sorry, Florence. Yeah. Uh, she carried that movie. But, like the twist was garbage. It, there were so many things that were unanswered and unexplained that just made zero sense. Characters com- did complete like one eighties out of nowhere. It was not a good movie, um, but did, Florence was incredible in it. 
Did you see Jason Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde's nanny release some uh, text today? No, I that's not what this podcast later. is about. But no, I'll, I'll look it. into it later though. Um, also saw See How They Run, which I was really looking forward oh, yeah. to that one. Uh, it really fell apart at the end of the movie as well. Just like uh, um, Don't Worry, Darling, just completely fell apart. Sam Rockwell, who I fucking love, yeah, could not hold his accent. Like he was all over the place with an accent that he was doing. Also like Harry and, Styles. Yeah, and so like the ending just fell apart. Like it was a really stupid ending, and I was really bummed. That's I true. I did go to the re-release of Avatar with my buddy um, up in San Francisco. Uh, the, and saw Adam Aaron from AMC. That was yeah. kind of cool. Um, watched uh, that the entirety of the Welcome to Wrexham or whatever that show with Ryan Reynolds and yeah. Rob McElney. We finished that too. It's really good. And so it really good. made me... like I don't care about soccer or football at all, but it really made me care about that team. And I really loved how it was, you think it's going to be about Robert... Uh, Robert. Uh, you think it's going to be about Rob and Ryan. And it's... Of course, it's about them, but you actually like see individual fans and local businesses and individual members of the team and the coaching staff, and it made you care about like the community of Wrexham. So I, I thought it was like a masterful, masterfully made docu series. I was really into it from beginning yeah. to end. Um, watched Born Identity. R- rumor has it, rumor has it, was super dumb. Uh, watched Hocus Pocuses, Hokey Pokai, whatever the plural for Hocus Pocuses. Watched both of those. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be like Dar- a making of or something. Yeah. Uh, Army of Darkness, nice. Tucker and Dale versus Evil, Death nice. Becomes Her, nice. Willie's Wonderland. Um, and then I saw Bros, which I actually liked, but it was it, it needed to be edited down by like 40 minutes. It was 40 minutes too long and very repetitive. Well, Judd Apatow was involved, right? Uh, I don't know. who I, He might have. I actually, I think he was a producer on yeah. it, but uh, it was just way too repetitive. Like in a nutshell... Like the two main characters were like, I don't want a boyfriend. I don't want a boyfriend either. We we're better single. And then they go on like a, a date, and they're like, Oh no, we're much better single. And then they go on another date. We're much better single. But each thing was like a 20, 30 minute segment that they repeated like three times before they were together and got to like your standard rom com. Yeah, they easily could have cut forty minutes of it out and still had it like follow the rom com formula. Because like it was actually very funny. It was smart. And I was honestly surprised with like how far they went with the the, the love scenes. Like, I, I was actually really impressed with how far they went for you know what was supposed to be a mainstream movie. Uh, and then I also saw Amsterdam, and that was just okay. Hmm. I'm interested in uh, Amsterdam. I'm I'm bummed that that uh, didn't do all. You know, David O. Russell is not uh, a great guy, but yeah, I, I mean, do like those movies and the people in those movies. I. I was a little disappointed because I love John David Washington. I love Margot Robbie and they were only okay. And then like, it it was also another movie where it was a little long and the ending was just so rushed. It's just like, that was the theme of a lot of these movies I watched where it was like actually really interesting opening, maybe a little slow in the middle. And then it was just like, oh shit, we're at two hours and we don't want to be a three hour movie. Let's just rush an hour's worth of exposition into like 10 minutes and call it a day. But, uh, eh. Where are you guys at with Seinfeld? Uh, we're at halfway through season eight. Nice. We, we finished yeah. last week. Nice. Yeah. We, we, Katrina doesn't like watching it at night. She likes watching it like an episode or two at dinner. Cause she, mm. they're, it's, they're all loud and obnoxious. So she doesn't <laughs> like it before bed. Yeah. We, um, we also started watching Avenue five, which is kind of cool. Avenue five. Which one's that one? It's Hugh Laurie and he's like the captain on a oh, space yeah, cruise. Oh yeah. Yeah. The space cruise. That look, that one looks fun. Yeah. It's, it's got like a really weird tone. It's, um, Armando Iannucci who also oh, did interesting. Uh, yeah, Death of Stalin. Um, and he's got, I feel like he's got kind of a specific tone and, uh, I guess I wasn't expecting this, expecting that, uh, the, the dryness of this going into it, but it is. And it's like, it's almost very off putting. Like I'm, I'm on edge when I'm watching most of these episodes, even though it's like a pretty lighthearted sitcom at the end of the day. Um, but there's like a lack of soundtrack and just like white noise in space. Oh, interesting. I mean, yeah. I guess that makes sense for like the loneliness of space. Um, yeah, I don't know how much you know about. It. I don't. I don't want to talk too much about it because there's twists. No, I haven't. I haven't seen it. Yet, it's it's so. worth watching a few episodes to see if you like it. All right, we'll do. Uh, we oh, we also started Peaky Blinders. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's, we only watched like one episode, but that's on my list. Cool. Well, I guess well, let's get back into it. I will summarize the the Hulu 2022 Hellraiser uh, in a nutshell. 
Riley, who's an addict, uh, goes into a warehouse with her also potentially addict boyfriend, we don't really know, to steal a shipment from this like abandoned warehouse and they find the the puzzle box and uh, they solve the puzzle and through that a series of uh, mishaps and adventures happen as one by one people around her start disappearing as they come into contact with the box and at the very end of the movie we find out that uh, the one of the doctors from ER, Goran, I can never pronounce his last name, but this millionaire guy secretly hired uh, the boyfriend to get people to sacrifice to the box so he can have a meeting with the Cenobites and uh, remove a curse that was given to him many years ago. All right. That's the long and short of it. Yep. Uh, I was honest, honestly surprised at how good this movie was. And I'm not saying it was a good movie, but it was better than it had any rights to be. Interesting. Considering like how most of the movies are pr- considered to be pretty bad. Like, Three of them went to theaters. Sure. Another okay. eight went to direct to DVD and basically all got pretty terrible reviews. And then did they the, rebooted. Did the fourth sequel and on not go to theaters? No. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, most of them were direct to like so like seven of them were like direct to video. Wow, all right. And uh like after like Including this direct- one, right? Yeah. Yeah, this didn't go to theater. And, and like everybody, like pretty much every single one was directed by a different person. Like there was no like continuity between any of the movies so uh you know having a fresh one come out they i think one came out in 2018 they were going to reboot this in like 2017 and then 2018 and then like 2020 and so there was a very a bunch of different times where they're going to reboot this and it just never happened so you know when they announced this and i heard it was going straight to hulu i was like "Ooh, that's probably not going to be very good but i was pleasantly surprised like i i honestly think this could have gone to theaters and I mean, it looks Probably like they spent pay. enough money to send it to theaters. Um, Prey was direct-to-video too, right? Yeah, that went straight to Hulu. Yeah, Hulu is spending a lot of money on these exclusive direct-to-video movies. Um, it's kind of... I, I, I didn't really enjoy this movie, but I would have preferred just in you know in general for the community that it went to theaters. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I will never watch this movie again, but I was surprised that it wasn't worse. Like... You know, I think they did. I think the pacing, even though this one's like a half hour longer, I think the pacing was decent. Um, I thought there was enough set pieces. This is probably the most Cenobite that you get in like any of the movies. Like they were pretty consistently in it throughout, although they didn't do very much until the end. But like we actually saw the Cenobites like interacting with the world and attacking people and killing them and getting trapped by various things. And I was honestly surprised after the first one seeing how much we got it. I thought, you know, the limited budget for this, they would like kind of kept them hidden but they really didn't and like they were they would be on frame for several seconds you know sometimes 10 15 20 seconds at a time which is not something you got in the original so yeah i'm I th- impressed I'm, that we saw more i think you enjoyed it more than i did oh i probably i mean i wouldn't say i enjoyed it i was just surprised pleasantly surprised that it wasn't as bad as i thought like i was like i said i think you enjoyed it more yeah, than i did i dreaded actually watching both of these movies and was surprised that the fact that I didn't hate them. Well, that's great. Yeah. I think um there's there's some there's definitely some stuff to like in this movie. Uh it looked like they spent a lot of money on the locations. Um maybe not what I would I have done. So. I don't know if that's the smartest thing, but they got some gorgeous buildings in here. Yeah, I think they filmed this all in like eastern it's in Serbia. Europe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I'm not. I'm not going to break down the location budget of Serbia, but they got a lot of beautiful buildings, is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Well, and I was surprised that like, so we saw the the Cenobites come from like hell various times, and it was like elaborate sets where like the walls would open up, and you see like glowing, that stuff like, was all pretty cool, especially in the van. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting way of of showing as opposed to you know they could have just had portals or they could have just opened a door with like and had light shining through it. But think, no, they actually had like morphing walls and stuff. I thought that looked pretty good. Yeah, they did some stuff that the uh, the original movie did and um, tried to sort of expand on it with, a, um, I think, a little bit more money than the original and uh, and a modern uh, technology. And that was pretty cool to see, um, you know, the walls come apart and the Cenobites come through. Um, I think there's a moment where a body sort of reconstitutes itself at the end. Um, yeah. That felt like a nod to the original, and that was pretty cool. Um, I felt I had a hard time... 
getting into the story in this one, similar to the original, where the original felt like it didn't um, have a whole lot of meat on the bones, no pun intended, um, <laughs> but a solid little infidelity uh, story. Like I didn't, I, I would have liked to have had a little bit more, but I wasn't confused by that story in right. the original one. And this one, um, I felt like uh, there's a lot of stuff going on that just made me ask questions that never got answered. Um, what are the, I, I am interested in, in your question. I'm, I'm just going to say something, and I wonder if this will tie into what one of your questions are. But one of the things I was confused by was, uh, you know, they tried to give us a little bit more backstory on at least the protagonist, Riley. You know, she's an addict, and she's, you know, living with her brother and his roommates until she can get back up on her feet and whatnot. And I honestly thought the fact that she was an addict would come into play nope. at some point with the Cenobites. But no, nothing. Yeah, I kind of when I when I got done with it, um, I was thinking about her arc, and it seemed to me like she starts out the movie in a place where she's a burden on everybody, and you know, especially her brother who is paying her rent and letting um, her live there, and she's like fucking her boyfriend. Everybody can hear it, and her brother is worried about her, and blah blah blah. And then he ends up, you know, dying, trying to uh, find her when she's out getting high. And um, at the end of the movie, she's just like, oh, you know what? I don't want any cool jack off toys. And I was like, all right, that's cool, I guess. But wouldn't it be better if she sacrificed herself so that her brother could come back and be with his boyfriend? Well, see, I actually appreciated that because it made it's like the first time in a horror movie. I think somebody made a right decision where she's like, it doesn't matter what gift you give me. There's going to be some sort of twist where it's not what I want. And I sure. imagine if they brought him back, he would be different or change. Sure. Or, like, I kind of get where she's coming from. It just sucks that. But like, my point I, is that it wouldn't be a gift for her. It would be a gift for somebody else. It's not selfish. She goes from being selfish to selfless. Or at least she And, and in this like, movie, it's like she went from being selfish to making a right decision. Yeah. And like, maybe she could have been slightly selfish and went and said, or like, okay, bringing him back he's gonna come back like fucked up or they're gonna bring him back as a cenobite or they're gonna bring him back and he's gonna have the memory being torn like say send him to heaven yeah i guess i, I think i don't know we're, we're talking about like paranormal sex demons so i think anything's possible i think there's a right. world where she could have said you know what make me a cenobite i'm happy to be uh tortured forever or whatever if you can bring back my brother so that him and colin can be happy because he didn't deserve any of this yeah, it is pretty fucked up, but I also get why she made the decision that she did. I mean, I get it. I just don't think it's a solid character arc. No, it's it's not a solid character arc, but I also don't think she's a good person, so you can't expect her to change over the course of, like, one night. I mean, I guess. We're talking about watching movies here, though. Yeah, it's true. Um, I'm just trying to get, go through. I like how the Hellraiser... Uh, the Hellraiser. I like how the, the cube... Uh, I forget what it's called. The... Li- they don't say it in the movie, but it's uh, Le Machand box. Anyway, the puzzle uh, box looks like a shake weight in the first scene. <laughs> a little bit with some angles on it. I thought it was weird that the movie, I mean, the movie opens with um, Roland Voigt, which I have another problem with. Um, but the movie or Riley's story opens with her fucking Trevor. And he says, I love you. And she's like, oh, I don't like that. And she's sort of rushing him out of the house or whatever. And then she sees that her brother and everybody else are like making dinner for them. And they're excited to meet her boyfriend. Um, and he's like, oh, no, I'm going to get out of here. And then they're sort of grilling her about the boyfriend, about Trevor. And she's like kind of defending him. And then she like cares what her brother thinks. And it's like, you just were telling this guy that you don't love him. Why do you care about what your brother thinks about him now? I, I, I think it's really just, you know, she's combative. And if they tell her, if the brother says something nice about somebody, then they're going to, she's going to say he's bad. And if he, I think narratively, I need something before that setting up that Riley is combative. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like it's, it's, they did the bare minimum to give this character any kind of backstory. Um, and once again, like, I, I really thought it was going to come into play because throughout the movie, uh, and this is once again something I liked, that we actually saw the the villains, the the Cenobites. Throughout the movie, the priest, uh, Pinhead, was just... Hell Priest. Everyone, Hell Priest was, like, kind of fucking with people throughout me and, like, hey, this is your journey. You need to fucking sacrifice people or I'm going to come for you. And then, like, he kind of, or she... 
it's it's i don't even know I, why am i putting a gender on on the priest there's no reason to do it uh, the hell priest tells multiple characters like gets in their head and it's kind of like i know what you are i know what makes you work like even with uh um uh, what was the the bad guy's name the roland voigt roland voigt uh they tell roland voigt like oh you want pleasure and you want this and then later on like oh i got you wrong you actually want power so i really thought the drug thing was going to come to play like yeah see and, and that does that's I, I don't mean to relitigate the riley uh character arc thing but um I don't like. I feel like you're bending over backwards to make sense of her not sacrificing herself at the end. And the hell priest is like, "Oh, we made a mistake about you. So instead of this uh, wind-up toy that we put in your chest, we'll make you a centibite now." I don't know. Whatever. Like, there doesn't seem to be rules to anything. No, there's not. And there isn't. I just like there's. They just set up so many things that just never came to fruition. And like the the thing with like the boyfriend saying he loves her. God, now that I think about the movie, I'm starting to like it less. Nailed it. The fact that he loves her, he's like, oh, I love you. And it's a weird thing. Like, he was hired specifically to find, like, five people to kill to, like, activate the box. And she was a mark. Like, at what point did that change? Because it's like they had just met in a 12-step program. And he gets her to go after the box. But he's supposed to, like, solve the box and kill people. But he lets her do it. Like, I don't understand, like, why yeah. that plan changed. And then at the end of the movie, he's like... Hey, Roland, like, I know the plan totally changed, but, like, we still got all the kills that we needed, and we still got the box here. Why are you mad at me? But it's like, I would be mad at him, too. Like, what the fuck was his plan? Like, getting this girl involved and, like, letting her take the reins. Yeah, this movie, like, reveals that twist. Um, Like, it's a bomb dropping, which I think you could see it coming from a mile away. And then on top of that... um it doesn't, I don't feel like it makes any sense when you... If you, like, if you rewatch the movie knowing that Trevor had set her up... um. I don't think that uh, the way that they break into um, the storage container makes a whole lot of sense. Um, he's got this like crazy loft that like clearly costs a ton of money. Um, yeah. And, and he just like delivers pieces of art or something. And then also like wh- they've been together for six months. I think why is Riley not like potentially living with him? And why did it take six months? Like, to do all this like did yeah. he kill like how many deaths were actually needed were there other people killed before this group like and it was like such a slow plan and it was like really easy for them to break into the safe even though it yeah. should have been but it wasn't through anything that roland did like she knocked the dial off that had nothing to do with uh trevor and roland's plan yeah i don't I, it, it falls apart pretty quick when you start to think about it yeah um, I, I did I, like oh go, go ahead, ahead. Well, I was just, no, if yours is short, go, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I did like the finale of the film where like Roland is like, ah, I'm glad you said I that. Got, yeah, I got fucked up in the past. Like I asked for this gift and I got this fucking thing that like wraps up my nerves at random intervals. So I never get used to the pain. And now I'm going to like, he's like that Nazi from Hellboy. It's exactly what he's like. Uh, but he's like, I'm going to, this time around, I'm going to get them. I built this new place that can trap Cenobites. So I'm going to like, trap them outside like his plan is to trap them outside so he can like talk to them without them getting them and then the good guys flip it around and like trap the cenobites inside so they can do it oh that's another thing he said he built a cage but he built the house before uh he met the cenobites so like, it was did, a retrofit was it he was he planning to get screwed over by his wish well i think the because this was supposed to be like six years after he got fucked over originally. i thought they said so, nobody saw him since then no, but his yeah. So his I think he was no. I, I think his lawyer, like the the lawyer who brought Joey the pro, male yeah, prosecutor in at the beginning, and then she, they go and talk to her in like the middle of the movie. She says like I got his estate, and then I never went and saw him. Again. I I think she knew he was still alive, and it was just like helping him. Get and she some, built like, the the cage around. the I thing. think it was like a a bat cave situation, like <laughs> which know, person man. like builds something in secret, and like they have to like kill people to cover it up. My issue with the end of the movie is that, um, or with the beginning of the movie, I think Roland opens and closes the movie. Like his story sort of bookends the movie. Mm -hmm. And Roland, um, I don't know if his arc really needed to change in the movie, but I don't think that it's uh, narratively satisfying to have him open and close it because I don't really care about his story. You know what I mean? Riley is the character that I should care about. And she's got like a, you know, she's got like a pretty stock story. Like she's a dread yeah. addict and she's selfish and she needs to learn how to sacrifice, sacrifice her own um, 
shit to to better the people around her instead of making everybody else's life harder or whatever. Um, I think it would have been a lot easy, a lot more interesting to open up on a scene of Riley like doing drugs and seeing how her choices fuck up the people around her. Yeah, and close Absolutely. on that. Yeah, and then the, you know, and like the him um, Roland becoming a Cenobite is interesting, but it could be a mid credit scene. Yeah, yeah, that could have been. Um, that doesn't like like that. Yeah, the, the opening and closing of the movie don't like define the theme of the movie to me. It just sets no. up the next one. Yeah, it does. Um, I guess it's not a good movie. You know, it's got a lot of cool moments, a lot of a lot of uh, cool visuals. Um, I like uh, the the new Hell Priest. I I did really like the designs of the Cenobites, and I read um something from the director and they basically said they wanted to kind of have a similar thing with the reboot as the original movie. The original movie had the whole BDSM thing. Uh, and so this was like, well, we can't do that anymore because BDSM is kind of mainstream. Like it's a pretty common kink and people kind of accept it and it's pretty normal in movies. Your grandma knows what BDSM is. Exactly. So they wanted to go with like more like body mutilation. So like you see it at the end of the movie when Roland's turned into a Cenobite, like his flesh is peeled back to like design his costume it's the and same his thing. Like looks all, all weird, co- like a Kendall. Yeah, all their costumes are like flesh peeled away. Um, the priest has like skin pulled off the back and the front to kind of make like almost like a leather kilt kind of thing. Yeah. But all the accessories are from the flesh pulled yeah. off. So I thought that was kind of an interesting way to update it and have something fresh and yeah. weird. I think having a trans person play the hell priest adds into that too. Well, and it makes sense because in the book, I can't, uh, it's something heart. I can't remember the name of the actual. The Hellbound novel, Heart. The Hellbound Heart. Uh, the priest was described as androgynous with a female voice. Mm-hmm. So honestly, like this casting makes yeah, a ton of sense. It seems like there were a lot of decisions made to uh, have it hew closer to the to the original Vela and to the original movie. Um, but they also sort of, I don't know, stumbled in updating it, maybe. Yeah, it, you know, this was worth watching. Uh, I can see why they rebooted it. And I've, really... I've seen a lot of people say they really enjoyed it, so don't don't take our uh, yeah, opinions it, for granted. It, it, it was fine. Like, I, I had very low expectations. I liked it more than I thought it was going to. I've kind of went down a little bit, but it was worth watching. Where do you think this movie took place? That I couldn't figure out because, well, no, it had to be in Serbia. Right? So the whole thing, the movie opens in Serbia, and I was like, all right, multimillionaire uh, doing weird sex dungeon stuff. He's in Europe, whatever. And then it cuts to six years later, and we're just watching these American kids speaking like with American vernacular and like American accents, um, doing sort of nondescript activities. Like she's, she's doing drugs, they're cooking tapas, whatever. It looks like they're in Chicago or New York or something. And yeah. then she just like drives to the sex dungeon house from the beginning. And I was like, wait a second, are we in Serbia? And I looked it up yeah. and the whole film was shot in Belgrade. Yeah. So yeah, they're supposed to be in Serbia this entire time, I guess. That's I don't weird. know about that, man. I, that threw, me, have to threw be, me for though, a loop. Yeah, like, I think so. It's just like, they went and visited the lawyer in the same city. You mm-hmm. know, she seemed to be local. They went to the warehouse. Like, I know it's cheesy. Owned. I know it's cheesy when like a Hollywood movie is like, hey, this uh, scene or this whole movie takes place in Europe. So people just have European accents, but they're speaking English. Um, but that like, that's like a little wink to the audience that sort of makes sense to me. You know, it's just like, a, hey, this is an indication that, hey, we're in Europe. Pretend these people are speaking English, but we know that they're really speaking whatever European language. Um, these guys are just like, they're talking like you and I are talking. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're in Serbia and it completely took me out of the movie. Super yeah, weird fair. decision to me. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, I mean, it is what we say remakes should be, you know, almost oh. the original. <laughs> oh, you got something else? Yeah, I might have a couple more quick notes. No, go, 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 go. Get me In, in the third act of the movie, she breaks into, or I guess halfway through, she breaks into the sex dungeon house that's like covered in cobwebs and this weird ornate uh, wrought iron cage. She's opening doors. She's touching fuse boxes. She's flipping things on and off. This whole movie is about the trouble that people get into when they play with a box of unknown origin. Has she not learned her lesson to not touch things that she doesn't know about? <laughs> right. Um, oh, I also, I liked the, uh, the like deepening of the mythology of the different um, configurations of the box. I think that's cool. And if they do a sequel, that's something I'm interested in more of that uh, lore. The configurations. I, I, I read 
detailed synopses of all other movies and the different orientations of the puzzle mm. get so fucking weird. Like eventually like they try to like create like a counter one and like a skyscraper that doesn't work. And then there's one that takes place hundreds of years in the future. And they actually have a spaceship that can configure into like the opposite version of the thing. And it, it it's fucking weird and bananas. So, uh, one other note that I, I wanted to, um, comment on I, I don't know how we didn't bring it up it seems odd that they were able to sacrifice cenobites to fulfill the arrangement because uh th- i thought this was kind of fucked up and a little weird but uh pinhead goes to riley and's like hell priest uh goes hey you fucking didn't get your blood on this somehow you missed the blade that literally everybody else who's touched this thing yeah has got but somehow you missed it but that's fine we're gonna let you find other sacrifices and then later on uh hell priest just like takes the box and just like scratches her with it and it's like well now you're definitely part of this because i gave i scratched you with it yeah and then that's what i'm saying there's no rules to this thing yeah go find your 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 sacrifices and she was told she needed to get two she sacrificed two cenobites and then at the end like they're like well she didn't get the second one oh i thought she did get the second oh that's right so So she got the one and then it's like but like Hellpriest kind of like smiled when that happened. Like, yeah, this is pretty fucking cool. Sacrifice my homies. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. And then at the very end, when they're getting Colin, she's like, wait a second. You said I get to decide. I didn't decide Colin. Fucking take Trevor instead, which I thought was a cool, like, I, that's the move to make. But yeah, they're, they're, like you said, no yeah. rules. Nice little, nice little justice there. Yeah. I mean, uh, Scream, like, really makes a. Uh, a meal throughout all of the movies over the rules of horror. You don't say that you're going to be back. You don't go somewhere alone, blah, blah, blah. And it's played for a joke, but that's like a real thing in these movies. Like, even if it's subconscious, um, there's got to be uh, expectations. There's got to be setups and there can be subversions, but it's being subverted because rules have been established. And if things just sort of happen, it's unsatisfying. Yeah, I agree. You talked me into not liking this movie as much. You're welcome. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking uh, forward to a... talking to you about Halloween ends. Yeah, uh, I'm going to watch that tomorrow night. Uh, just to wrap it up, I think this is what re- remakes are supposed to be: updated, better special effects. You know, updating the story, but you know, you know, paying homage to the original. Mm-hmm. And I think this did all that. It just you know it wasn't necessarily a good movie, but you know it did check all the boxes. Yeah. And I, I think and it was I think, worth watching once. Yeah, and I think it's a property that uh, deserves um, an honest remake. It seems like everybody in, uh, involved in making this thing wanted to make a good movie and wanted to make something that honors uh, the original vision. Yeah, I agree. I, I, it doesn't I think seem everybody... like a cash grab. No, 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 no. I, I think they did the best they could with what they were given. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, give us your plugs and uh, cool. Yeah, I'm on Instagram at dyslexic, D-Y-S-Alexic. You can find me on TikTok and Twitter and Letterboxd at Polici, P-U-L-I-S-C-I. And uh, I've got a little store on the internet on Etsy called Burn the Scene Boutique, where I sell film and TV related stuff as well as uh, elder emo nonsense. If you are excited about the Blink-182 reunion, you'll probably find something you like there. And if you use the code <laughs> Remake Rewind, you'll get a discount of some sort. Good. Good. All right. Well, good. you guys can check it out. Oh, go ahead, Jeff. I was just agreeing. It is good. Yeah, it is good. I actually like your stuff. Thank you. I've got two shirts, and they're both very high quality. Thank you. Uh, you guys can check out everything that's MDX Pods related at mdxpods.com, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at MDX Pods. We're also on YouTube. Just search Remake Rewind or Ruin My Childhood or MDX Pods, and we'll pop up. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash mdxpods. Thanks for listening. Thanks. <laughs>